your Bible readings now, and the first is going to be in Acts chapter 6, um, starting at verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they sat before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the numbers of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So the next um, reading is going to be in 1 Timothy, um, starting in chapter 3, verses 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy, not for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, like my, likewise, must, meet, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things, like deacons, each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Please keep it open to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and we'll be settling into those verses 8 to 13. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you'd help us understand your word and to apply it and to live it out, that we might be a church and a people who live lives that are pleasing to Christ, a church that honours you, Father. And so, Lord, please grant us understanding and go before us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been working our way through the letter of 1 Timothy, which Paul wrote to him when he left Timothy in Ephesus and was giving him instructions on how God wants his house organised, the household of God. Over the past few weeks, we've considered elders. Today, we're going to consider the office of deacon. Sometimes when we teach or preach in church, it can be a little bit different. And this morning, essentially, is teaching on how Jesus wants us to live. Sometimes Jesus, well again and again, Jesus says, this is how I want you to function. This is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to do. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We're considering that. Jesus says to his church, we should have deacons. And so we want to really stop and think, what does that mean for a church to have deacons? What does Jesus want that to look like amongst us? 
And so very practical, very important that we all understand these sort of passages aren't just for a few in the church. This isn't just for those who will be deacons. The way we function best, the way we're going to work best is if we all understand what a deacon is, what an elder is. If we all understand how we should operate and work together as a body. If only the deacons know what a deacon is, that's not helpful. If only elders know what an elder is, that's not helpful. A good family understands the role of each person in the family. And so that's what we want to do this morning. And this office of deacon, we're going to look at it in three parts. Firstly, the role of a deacon, what that looks like. Then what is the qualification for being a deacon? And then what does the Bible say about women deacons? So three steps, the role, the qualification and the place of women. So firstly, the role in verse 8, it just starts, deacons likewise. Deacons, one of those words, which isn't a translation. It's a transliteration, like baptism. What well, when we read baptism, we're not being told what the word means. It's just the Greek word presented in an English way. So if we want to understand what a deacon is, we've got to consider the Greek word for today, which is diakonos. And simply a diakonos means servant. So when we go through the New Testament, it appears all over the place. The word can apply to all kinds of servants. Paul says he was a servant of the gospel. Paul says he was a servant of the saints. At the wedding, Jesus was there. Mary was hoping he would turn, do something about the wine. Mary went and spoke to the servants. Jesus came to serve, to be a servant. In Romans 16 or 13, we're reminded that the government is a servant of God. On we go. So that word diakonos simply means servant, but by itself it doesn't tell us anything really about the status of the person or necessarily the role. It's the context we've got to consider because a slave serves his master, but a king serves his people. And so essentially the word servant or diakonos is someone who gives of themselves for the benefit of another. They're giving of themselves for the benefit of another. Now, who's the ultimate servant? Jesus. All Christians are called to serve him. In one sense, we're all called to be servants. But as we see here in our text, God has ordained within his church some to a special office called deacon, or literally, servant. Servants of the church. Elders are called to direct the affairs of a church through teaching, preaching, leading and overseeing. But deacons are set apart to support that direction, the practicalities of pulling that all together. To make sure that as a church, if we're heading in a certain direction, that things aren't falling through the cracks or being neglected. Now, if you've been in a Baptist church for many years, here are a few things to watch out for. Firstly, to the deacons. Deacons aren't meant to undermine elders. Deacons aren't there to try and take the church in a different direction or by setting up their own little kingdom, which can happen. Deacons are there to, as a supporting role to make sure that the affairs of the church are all being covered. And deacons too 
are spared the burden of being accountable for all those things, of the directing, the spiritual health. And being spared of those things frees them up just to get on serving and supporting the roles they have in the church. But then also to elders. Must be careful not to think of the deacons as their servants, as their slaves. Sort of the church grunts who they get to tell and make sure get everything done. No. Elders must make sure they function in their role and make sure that their role is not about building their kingdom or their church or their whatever. Our deacons aren't there to accomplish that end. No, together they are seeking the work of Christ. And elders must make sure that what deacons are doing in the direction of the church is gospel. Not just about an organisation and what's taking place. Deacons and elders are to serve together. They have different roles, but they are to serve together. Elders do have that role of leading, deacons that role of serving. But together they are servants of Christ who complement each other. Complement each other. Working in unison. And the ultimate example we do, as I said, is Jesus. If you want to think of a wonderful passage in the Bible that reminds us of Christ as the servant or the one who serves, we can think of Philippians 2. There we see that Jesus was humble. He didn't grasp for power. He counted others more significant than himself. He didn't look to his own interest. He was looking to the interest of others. Deacons should be exemplifying that in the life of the church. Being like Jesus. A deacon labors and works and toils for the unity of the church. That we can have a healthy functioning church. That we are as a church meeting the needs of one another doing all that is good for the advancement of the gospel. So what do some of these works look like? Well, the Bible doesn't give us the, ten list, the list of ten things that a deacon does. It's, it's not prescriptive like that. But it gives us principles and things that we can consider with the appointment of deacons and what their roles might look like. As a generalisation, deacons do look after the physical and logistical happenings in the life of the church so that elders aren't distracted or compromising, compromised in their role of watching over the spiritual matters of the church. We had an example read from Acts 6. The church in Jerusalem, the apostles were there teaching and preaching the gospel. They were on about the ministry of the word. The gospel was advancing. Lots of good things were happening, but they couldn't suddenly care for everyone plus do their role and so the church set aside deacons people who could serve servants that helped keep the church together that helped make sure people weren't neglected that helped make the gospel work be done and not neglected either and so in the life of the church such gospel things that are Deacon toils towards can relate to the maintenance of the church, making sure bills are paid, someone's been doing their job because those fans are turning and the lights are going on, that we've had power to power up our instruments. Someone's been toiling away. And many of us probably don't even know who does that. But those are the sort of things that would come under the role of a deacon. Make sure our insurance is paid. 
to make sure the upkeep and all our services, hospitality, administration. But it's important too that those things don't just become the total sum of what a deacon does. Because the work of the deacon, as you search through the New Testament, see how the word's used, it's important that the role of deacons should make sure the hungry in the church are fed. To make sure those who are in need are cared for. To make sure if some of us end up in prison for our faith are visited. To make sure those of us who need clothes are clothed. Who need hospitality are cared for. All deeds of love. Deacons make sure happen in the life of the church. Deacons are there working together with the elders to make sure no one in our church family is falling through the cracks. That together we can become healthy and strong. Because then we can go out into the world to be salt and light. It's for a strong family. And so the qualifications. If you've got your Bibles there, we'll start in verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. What we find here again, as when we started to look at elders, is what? Character. The Bible spends more time here, again, talking about the character of a deacon than prescribing the role of a deacon. Which means the first step towards appointing anyone as a deacon, as an elder, is to do Consider their character. It doesn't matter how much experience someone has with finance. Sometimes little churches and smaller churches, oh, finally someone who's good at IT or someone. It doesn't matter how good they are at hospitality or maintenance. Whatever they can put on their resume, character is where it starts. That's where the assessment starts. If there's no character... Those other things become irrelevant. They're unfit to be a deacon. And so there we have that word dignified. Or a man who is worthy of respect. Someone who conducts himself in a Christ-like way. Who's reverend and honourable. Not double-tongued. That's what it is, literally. A man who does not say one thing and then do another. A man who you know will keep his word. A man who you know that when he says something... He will actually do all that he says. He's not given to lying, being deceptive or being hypocritical. And I think what comes under that is also reliable. We don't need men who will say they'll do something, but then they don't show up or they don't do something that they said they would do. Someone who says it and does it. Not addicted to much wine. Not dependent upon alcohol. He's always able to drive if needed because he's sober-minded and ready for the task. Doesn't rely on any substance. And then we have two, not greedy for dishonest gain. Must make sure that if a man's appointed as a deacon that he doesn't have any ulterior motives. Because he's going to be trusted, deacons are going to be trusted with church resources. They'll have responsibility often for some money. And the way it is used, elders typically would oversee the budget and the way money is distributed, but deacons then are entrusted with funds to carry out their role. 
And they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Though deacons are not required to teach, they must be gospel men who understand what the Bible says of sound doctrine. But not just a man of sound doctrine. Paul never says just be people of good doctrine. He always says watch your life and doctrine. And so a deacon must hold to the mystery of the faith, hold to the gospel with a clear conscience, which means the way he lives is consistent with his faith. If you were to see him functioning as a deacon in the church and then to see him functioning in his role in town, it would be consistent. He has a clear conscience wherever he's operating. And then let deacons, verse 12, each be the husband of one wife, or literally, one woman man. That's the Greek, one woman man. A deacon must be a man who has been faithful in marriage. And then managing their children and their own household well. So you might have someone who's really good with finance, but things aren't, haven't, aren't quite together at home. You might have someone who's also of sound character, but things aren't quite right at home. Things at home need to be put in order before they come and serve in the household of God. And then verse 10, let them be tested. It's not just a matter of nominating and voting. Deacons, as would be for elders, are to be tested. There's no point nominating someone if they haven't been tested. It just gets messy and complicated. Testing essentially their character. The only way a man is fit for office as a deacon is if he is blameless. So that's considered the role, the qualifications. Now to think about the next step, the role of women as deacons. There's a slide that will come up on the screen. But oh, don't be too overwhelmed by it. But that's basically the structure of our passage. Back in verse 2, it said an overseer must be. And we've looked through that until we... Previous weeks, then we get down to verse 8, it says deacons likewise. And that's what we've just looked at. We've gone from verses 8 to 10. Now we're at verse 11. Now one thing we need to acknowledge too is that good faithful churches will come to a different position on this. There are good biblical churches that would say no to women as deacons. And they have biblical reason for it. Then there are churches that will say yes to it. What is most important for us is that we're not determining whether a woman can be a deacon or not just by what we think or feel or by our culture. We must have a biblical reason to say yes or to say no. If you can't take me to the Bible, then your reason for yes or no doesn't really stand up. It's not going to hold up. So what does the Bible say? There are essentially only two parts of the Bible that sort of speak to this directly in some way, and that's our verses that you have in front of you there, 1 Timothy 3.11, and then also Romans 16.1, which speaks of a lady called Phoebe. But both of them have potentially translated in different ways. 
We had our Bible reading this morning. If someone else got up to read it, they, their verse 11 could be different. It might say women likewise. Some translations will say wives, their wives or wives likewise. Others will say women likewise. Now I'll declare where I'm headed and put anyone at ease or stir some people up, I don't know. But I believe the Bible does teach that it is appropriate for a woman to be a deacon. But that's not enough for us just to be great. That's, no, we have to be able to say why. Because there are many things and roles in the church. The Bible is clear about elders and pastors. They need to come from amongst the men. But about deacons, we need to do a little bit of work. And I think it's worthwhile that we don't just rush forward and just lay claim to that, say yes and move on. Now, as I said, this verse 11 gets translated differently. Some say their wives likewise. Some say women likewise. Now, the first thing to say is I have an ESV. We had a reading from an ESV. King James in New King James, in, there's the word says their wives. Now, we need to acknowledge the word there is not there. Now, the New King James shows that because it does it in italics. So a decision has been made as to what that might mean. And the other thing that gets tricky is because it gets translated wives or women because it's the same Greek word. The same Greek word applies to both. You determine it by the context. It comes from the word gynaikos, which is where we get gynecology. It's the word for woman, which is also the word for wife. And most Bible translations will actually have a footnote that would, if it says their wives, will say or women. Or if it says women, will say or wives, because it's showing that there's, it could go either way. Now, if that there was there, I think it's decided. It is talking about wives, but it's not there. If you look at the layout, and that's why I've put this up essentially on the board, on the screen. It says an overseer must be, and it lists a whole lot of character traits. Deacons likewise, and then it talks about character. And then it says women, or gunaikas, likewise, and it lists character. So it does, in the way it's structured, appear to be a listing, a progression. Now, why would he use the word women? Why wouldn't he just say deaconess? Because there is no word deaconess. There is no feminine form for deacon, diakonos, in the Greek. To know that he's shifting from talking about male deacons to women, he has to say women. There's no other way of doing it. Another thing to consider is, why would he not talk about... He's talking about deacons and he's saying, now the deacon's wives must be like this. But when he was talking about elders, he didn't say anything about an elder's wife. You'd probably wonder if he was talking about elders, he'd be even more certain to talk about the wife of an elder. But that doesn't happen. Another thing, you see that the list is very similar. So when he's talking about deacons, he says deacons likewise must be dignified or worthy of respect. And then he talks about their tongues, not double-tongued or liars. Then he talks about, one might say, their mind, not addicted to wine. And then he talks about their life or their conduct, not given to greedy or dishonest gain and holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And then when we get to verse 11... It does the same progression. Gunaikus, likewise. That's all it says. Gunaikus, likewise. 
must be dignified. And then he speaks about their tongues, not slanderers, and about their mind, sober-minded. It's sort of not addicted to wine, be sober-minded. Then about their life, faithful in all things. Faithful to what? The gospel. Being faithful is how you live the gospel out. And so the way it all sets out, the way the pattern is, and you see that the requirements for the woman and or the women in verse 11, sober-minded, is the same requirement for an overseer and elder back up at the top. You see the requirement for a woman being dignified is the same requirement for a deacon, male deacon. But then it is helpful to look at Romans 16. If you've got your Bible there, turn to Romans 16. verse 1 this is Paul writing I commend to you our sister Phoebe a diaconos of the church at Chentre now again most translations if they say servant will say deacon or deaconess at the bottom or vice versa because it can go either way and then it says that you may welcome her in the in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Phoebe is a woman of great character who's been helping Paul in ministry and serving in the church. And here is it servant or has been a deaconess, if we want to say, applied. And one of the key things that people consider is how that, what follows. Because throughout the New Testament, if it goes of the church, what is put in front of us is consistently an office in the church. Paul spoke to the elders of the church in Ephesus. Christ is the head of the church. And there's numerous references throughout the New Testament that would point that if you got a diaconos of the church, it would be indicating that she had an office as a deacon or office or role in the church. But we can move a little bit forward into church history. Now, church history is never the decider. The scriptures must be the decider, but it can give us help if we're trying to see how this was played out and from the earliest times we can see that there were women serving as deacons for that title is used or that description they helped the poor they helped the sick they were especially involved with caring for women they cared for the strangers who had passed through the town they were significant in visiting those who had been put in prison they were messengers Many regard Phoebe as the one who took the letter to Rome. They say too that when it was inappropriate or wouldn't appear above reproach for a male pastor or elder to go and visit a woman, the deaconess would be sent to interact. I think this is a good one too. They assisted in the baptism of women. They discipled new women converts. They were involved in instructing women and children. Church history would also seem to indicate that it tended to be the older women. Which seems, in the light of where we'll keep heading in Timothy and we'd see in Titus, that younger women tend to have the responsibilities of being a wife and raising children. And so often they were widows. There's records of deaconesses being tortured and persecuted. 
person significant in church history is a guy called John Christostom. And this is on the sheet, if you're filling in the sheet. This is for the kids. Olympias. She was a deaconess. She was a widow. She served in the church in Constantinople. She supported the ministry of John Christostom. She was a woman of means. She obviously had status. She would leverage her wealth as a generous patron. She donated estates. She supported ministries. She ransomed captives. She helped support single women. She cared for the poor. In many ways, she sounds like a Phoebe. Phoebe was a patron. She was a woman who had standing and resources. As a patron, she was able to be benevolent and used her gifts in the life and service of the church. And here we see Olympus, Olympias. So where's Phoebe seemed to be a help and a support to the ministry of Paul? Olympias was a help and a support in the ministry of Christostom. During the Reformation, the reformers, Calvin and others, appointed deaconesses and said these are not insignificant roles. They were out in the public, caring for the poor. They were instructed to serve with zeal, industry and diligence. Spurgeon says, Deaconess was an office most certainly recognised in the apostolic church. And I'll throw some names of people currently who most people would say are very conservative. People like John MacArthur, John Piper, Mark Devers all believe the Bible leans towards and supports the appointing of women as deacons. Is that going to violate what we've already seen back in 1 Timothy 2.12? Where Paul says he does not permit women to teach or exercise authority over men. We need to remember what the role is of a deacon and not confound it with the role of an elder. Elders are there to teach. That's there. And elders are there to lead. The Bible repeatedly affirms that. Where when we get down to 1 Timothy 2.12, the teaching and exercising authority over men is a thing that's disallowed for women, but when you look at the list that distinguishes the list of deacons from elders, that's the very thing that's left out. Elders must be able to teach. Elders need to be able to govern in the life of the church. Two things that are not included in the role of deacons. But also, too, that doesn't mean women cannot teach in any way. As we've seen, deacons through the history of the church have been involved with discipling women, teaching children. And so what do we see in that list that Paul gives to Timothy about women? He has these four things which align with the role that he said to deacons. So deacons likewise, now Gonicus likewise, women who are dignified, women who are worthy of respect, who conduct themselves in a Christ-like way, women who are not slanderous. It could be a generalisation, we might say something else, but it might be a reason that when he's speaking about appointing men, watch they are not liars. When appointing women, watch, they are not slanderers. Women who use their speech to tear other people down. That's a strong word, actually. The word for slander is actually devil. 
the context tells us whether it's referring to the devil or referring to slander. And the devil is the example of the ultimate slanderer. So women who use their tongue for good, for building up, to speak what is good and right and pure and holy. Women who are sober-minded, which also means not intoxicated. And you can go in any direction to think what could intoxicate the mind of a woman. Make sure she's in control of her mind and given to gospel things and focused on that, level-headed, always alert. And then when it says faithful in all things, her life is consistent with the gospel. She's given to the gospel. She has a clear conscience because she's always faithful. She doesn't undermine the faith with how she lives. And so I believe there is a reason and a biblical reason. I've wrestled with it for a while. At times, yes, no. But I believe my conscience is clear. We as a church need to decide ultimately if we will affirm women as deacons. But from what I've shared, and I'm happy to go further into it if anyone wants to talk to me, I think there is a biblical argument by which we can have a clear conscience for the appointing of women as deacons. So going forward... Remember, we do not start looking at all the things people can do. Churches can become very functional. We've got to be tempted not to be distracted or enamored because someone is great at something. First thing we do is assess someone's character. Are they faithful? Are they committed to their families? What is their home like? It is good and proper as it is for elders, for those who would have an office in the church, for the church or those who are doing the testing to go into their homes. Next character. We don't drop the bar, if you want to think, by pointing that someone is a deacon or an elder when it comes to character. We have the same standards. I've been in a position in a church where someone was functioning in a role that was not as an elder, but essentially like a deacon. They were doing the job great, but there was ungodly character. And some, but it's not an elder. doesn't matter. The Bible says if the character is not there, they move away from that role. So we are just as rigorous considering the character for someone who would be a deacon as for an elder. Which means when it comes to the discipline, if some church discipline, just as if an elder is ungodly in their character, if a deacon is ungodly in their character, you step them down. And we wait. We don't just appoint. If we think we need deacons, and we can see, God, this is the area we need deacons, we pray if there's no one who just has character and fits the role. We don't just point someone into a role because we're trying to fill a gap. A deacon must be willing no one should feel cornered to have to do something in the life of the church. Deacons must be willing. We wait. And the testing, essentially, I think, in the life of the church, if there was an eldership in place, they would be the first place responsible for testing the character of those who would be appointed as deacons. And you should have t- t- 
test the character before you shift to nominating and appointing. He's got these wonderful encouragement for those who are deacons. Verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. It's a promise. If you serve well as a deacon, which means there can be people who will not serve well as deacons, that's why we must test. But if someone is a good, godly man or woman who is serving faithfully as a deacon, it is good for their faith. It builds up their faith. Bible says they will become even more confident in their faith and assured in Christ. The more a deacon dies to himself or to herself in service to the church, the more they will become alive to Christ. And so in the Bible teaches two distinct offices, elders and deacons. The elders consisting of men who are charged with overseeing, teaching, guarding, directing. And deacons who form a diaconate consisting of men and women who are charged to be faithful servants, to make sure the direction of the church, that's the direction we're moving in. Don't be tempted to think having deacons is unimportant. Don't be tempted to think because just if we've had bad elders or if we've had bad deacons, we don't want to go there. Churches that have had bad experiences with elders say we're just going to have deacons, but over time the deacons just become quasi-elders. Leadership will end up happening. Because we see things done badly, we don't not do it. We come back to the Bible, consider the principles, and we seek to be faithful. Deacons are important. The Lord raises up and qualifies and gifts people to serve as deacons. And they are for the good of the health of the church. Imagine the church in Jerusalem if those guys weren't set aside to serve. Things would have just got messier and more complicated. But it was healthy and it kept the unity. When deacons serve in the household of God, supporting the elders, they carry out a role that guards the unity in the spirit, magnifies the love of Christ, brings glory to God. It advances the gospel. Deacons are a gift from God. They're a gift So let's pray that God will raise up deacons amongst us who will pour out their lives in loving service of Jesus. I'll pray. Father, we pray that you would go before us as we seek to be structured and ordered according to your word. And Lord, if there are roles for deacons, that you would be preparing them already, that you would be raising them up. Lord, that these men and women would be of such godly character that Christ would be just plainly seen in them. Father, please guard us as a church, strengthen us as a church, and do all that which is for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.